Thank you for tuning in to Pastor Brian Hallam's podcast series. For more information on Pastor Brian and New Heights Church, please visit www.newheightschurch.info. We hope you enjoy today's message. If you have your Bible, turn to 2 Kings chapter number 4. I'm going to try to go through this very quickly. I understand it's a school night. Also understand we all have to go to work tomorrow, so praise God. 2 Kings chapter number 4, verse number 8. The Bible says this, It fell on a day that Elisha passed to Shunem, where there was a great woman, and she constrained him, she convinced him to come in and eat. She constrained him to eat bread. And so it was that as oft as he passed by, he turned in there to have dinner. There was a prophet that would come by named Elisha. And the Bible said that this great woman who was a Shunammite, we don't know her name, but she was a Shunammite woman. The Bible says that she convinced him to come in and eat dinner every time that she, every time that he came by. Verse number 9 said, And she said to her husband, Behold now, I perceive this is a holy man of God which passes us continuously. You know, most people don't respond to the Spirit of God. Most people think it's cool to not respond to a change in the atmosphere. If you're in East Texas or if you're from uh, this part of Texas or really any part of, uh, of Texas for that matter, it's a cool thing to be tough. It's a cool thing to never show any compassion or anything or any kind of a change. And so the Spirit of God, when the Spirit of God comes into a place like He did during praise and worship here, and obviously God is everywhere, He's omnipresent, but when you feel the manifested presence of God, When you perceive that the Spirit of God is moving, there is a call to action that ought to take place on the inside of every believer. You ought to respond to the Spirit of God. Whenever I walk into my house, if I don't see one of my kids, they start dancing and they start jumping and they start hopping because they're trying to get me to respond to their presence. Now, when I see them, I start dancing and I start hopping and stuff like that. And we have a mutual thing going on because I want them to know I'm happy to see you. I'm glad to lay eyes on you. And I'm glad you're in my presence. The presence of God is the same way. The Spirit of God is the same way. He can go anywhere. He can manifest Himself any way He wants. He can touch any time He wants. He can heal any time He wants. He can deliver any time He wants. But He loves it when people respond to his presence. This prophet's walking by and she says, I perceive that this guy is a holy man. Verse number 10 says, let's make him a little chamber. Let's build him a room. I pray on the wall and let us set him up a bed, make him comfortable and a table and a stool and a candlestick. So if he wants to write notes at night, he'll have some light. And it shall be when he comes to see us, he can turn in here and I won't just feed him and him leave, but he can literally come and reside. Listen to me. You've got to make a place for the presence of God in your life. You've got to make a place for the Word of God in your life. You've got to begin to prepare for the Word of God to have residence in your home and in your heart and in your family. If you say, I'm going to read my Bible every single day, but you don't have a Bible, you don't have a good plan. If you say every single day, I'm going to get up and pray before I go to work, and you wake up two minutes before you have to go to work, you don't have a good plan. You have not prepared a place for the presence of God in your life. You're just hoping He would show up. Maybe He'll walk by. 
This woman said, let's make a place so that the Word of God, so that the presence of God does not go by our house, does not go past our home. I don't want the miracles of God to be something that I've heard about. I want it to reside in my house. I want it to reside in my church. I want the presence of God to be here and I'm willing to not only respond to who He is, but I'm willing to prepare and make a way. Clap your hands one time. That's good enough right there, I tell you. If we can't do anything else, let's do our best to prepare for a move of God. Verse number 11, And it fell on the day that he came there, and he turned into the chamber and laid there, got some rest. And he said to Gehazi, which was a servant, Call this Shunammite woman. And he called her and stood before him. Verse 13 said, And he said, Say unto her now, Behold, you've been careful for us with all this care. You've been so good to us. You prepared a place for us. You made a room for us. What is it that we can do for you? Would you like me to talk to the king? Or maybe would you like me to talk to the captain of the host, one of the generals of the army? And she answered and said, I dwell among my own people. Which is to say, I'm very content where I am right now. Interestingly enough, she prepared a place for the Word of God. And prepared a place for the presence of God. When she didn't need anything. I wonder sometimes if God thinks... We think he's just a butler. Because we only cry out when there's a problem. We wonder, I wonder sometimes if God thinks we just see him, see him as the cleanup crew for when we screw our lives up. What happens when it's going real good and you know, you're getting the bills paid and, and your family's doing good and uh, Johnny made honor society and everybody's just doing good? What then? What are you going to do then? Do you forget the Lord? Deuteronomy 8.18 says, It's God who gives you the power to get well so that His covenant may be established in the earth. But so many times, verse 17 talks about the fact that people forget that it's God that blesses them and then in the time whenever they get to the place where everything's going good, they start going, Look what I... I did. And we try to figure out where did God go? When the whole time God's sitting up there going, I finally got you enough so you could build you an extra room. Bless God. And you build it with with 16 different Game Boys and Playstations and 17 TVs and you never made room for the presence of God. I'm not talking about physical stuff now. I'm just, just talking. Just us here. It's Wednesday night. We have to make room for the Spirit of God. We have to make room for the presence of God in our life. And in the good times, remember that the good time, the Bible says He'll take us from glory to glory. But listen to me, between every mountain and the next mountain, there's a valley. And when you get in that valley, you don't want to be sitting there going, I wish I'd have spent more time with Him on the mountaintop. When things are good, make room for God. He says to her, he says, what can I do for you, lady? What can, you've been so nice. She says, ah, I don't need anything. And all of a sudden, Gehazi, the servant, says, well, I know she doesn't have a son. And her husband's getting up there in age. So the Bible says, he said, call her back over here again. So uh, he goes and gets the Shunammite woman. She comes there. He says, here's what's going to happen. He said, this time next year, you're going to have a little boy. You're going to hold him in your arms. And the Bible says that the woman says, don't lie to me, preacher. Don't you tell me something if it's not true. The Bible says that God knows and gives us the desires of our heart. 
The Bible says in Matthew that he knows our needs before we even pray them. She's sitting there thinking, I just want to bless the kingdom of God. I just want to make room for the presence of God in my life. And all of a sudden, the presence of God is saying, what can I do for you? Just like the picture we talked about in Genesis chapter number 2, where God says, you can have all of this, just leave this for me. And the devil goes, I can't believe he won't give you this. He's not saying, wow, look at all the stuff he gave you. He's saying, I can't believe he won't give you this. Because the reverse idea of who God and the devil are in the world's eyes is crazy. They look at the devil as somebody who wants to pass out a bunch of freebies, when in fact all he's doing is coming to your life to steal something from you, to kill something out of you and destroy your future in Christ. The Bible says it's God's good pleasure to bless you. So literally this woman is serving the house of God. She's sitting there saying, I want to make room for the presence of God. And all of a sudden God says, what can I do for you? It's His good pleasure to look down on you and to bless you. It's His good pleasure to look down on you and say, what have you? What you have need of, I want to give you. Think about your children. Which one of your children would you want to starve to death? Of course not. Which one of your children would you want to grow up and not have a job? Which one of your offspring would you say, I hope they get into an accident tomorrow? That's nonsense. That's not the will of God. That's the fact that we live in a cursed world where there is a devil. There are bad things that happen to good people. And things just happen. But the bottom line is God sitting there all the time, especially when you make room for Him in your life, saying, what can I do for you, my child? Continuing on, the Bible says, verse number 18, or verse number 17, And the woman conceived and bared a son at that season which Elijah had said according to the time of life. And when the child was grown, child got older, it fell on a day that he went out to work with his dad. And he said unto his father, My head, my head, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not feeling well, I'm sick. And he said to his lad, to, to a lad, to a servant, said, Take this boy back to his mom. And when he had taken him, he brought him to his mother, sat on her knees till noon, and then died. God gave her a son only for him to grow up and die. How many things in your life do you say, You know what? I used to be real hot on this thing right here. I used to really press Lord. I know God put a ministry in my life. I remember when I looked at my block and I said, I'm going to make sure everybody on this block hears the gospel of Jesus Christ. And somehow or another, that motivation in you laid in your lap and died. And you're sitting there trying to figure out, I know that was God. I know it was God. There's no way that I would have come up with this great idea. There's no way that I would have decided I was going to birth an international ministry or I was going to write a book or I was going to go back to school. There's no way that would be my idea. But for whatever reason, this promise that God gave me lays dead in my lap. What do you do? The Bible says that she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God and shut the door and went out. There's another story in the Bible. One time Jesus was walking around a place called the Pool of Bethesda, and there was a man sitting on a perch on a porch, and the Bible says he was a certain man, meaning Jesus sought him out, and he said, What are you doing? He said, I'm waiting right here because the rumor has it that one time long ago there was an angel that came and troubled these waters, and when the waters were troubled, the first person that got thrown into the troubled waters that were troubled by the angel would be healed of whatever infirmity he had. Jesus said, will you be made whole? He said, I have no man to throw me in the water. He said, I'm not asking you if you want in that water. I'm asking you, 
if you'll be made whole. Take up your bed and walk. And the Bible says that very hour, at that moment, the man took up his bed and walked off. But here's the thing. He was at the place where he knew God had moved before. So he believed he'd move again. She said, the presence of God has stayed in this room. The presence of God has slept in this bed. The presence of God has written notes down on this table and lit this candle. I will take my promise that looks to be dead to me and I will lay him in the place where I know God has moved. She continues on and says, and she called to her husband and says, send me, I pray, one of the young men and one of the donkeys that I may run to the man of God and come again. And he said, where are you going? It's not a new moon or a Sabbath. And she said, shalom. She said, it shall be well. Verse 24, she saddled the donkey and said to her husband, drive and go forward, slack not riding for me, except I bid you, meaning ride, boy, ride. My son lays dead, but we are going to find the presence of God. Run now, I pray. Uh, So she went and came into the man of God at Mount Carmel. And it came to pass when the man of God saw her afar. If the Spirit of God looked out, would He recognize you because of the time you spent with Him? Because the prophet recognized the woman because she had prepared meals, she had prepared a room, and she had done everything she could to make the Spirit of God comfortable and to be available. If the Spirit of God were to be looking out from a mountain, would He recognize you? Have you spent time with the presence of God? Have you spent time with the Spirit of God? You know, Jesus is in heaven right now preparing a place for you and me. But the Bible says the Spirit of God, uh, uh, the one part of the three-part God, Godhead, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, the presence of God is in this dispensation here to give you peace, power, and to baptize you with fire. And throughout the process, my question would be, are you familiar enough with him that if he saw you from a distance he would recognize you this is the Wednesday night group guys it's our job to be disciples of who he is to be disciplined ones that prepare a place in the good times so the presence of God can come in our home and in that moment we have a place to call a refuge she say, says he sees her from afar off and says to Gehazi, I said, Behold, yonder, which proves Elisha was country. Yonder is that Shunammite, the lady who makes the good cornbread. Got the room for us. She's so nice. Wonder if she's got something to eat. He says, Run now, I pray thee, to meet her and say unto her, Is it well with thee? Is it well with your husband? And is it well with your child? So Gehazi runs out. Leaves the prophet on the mountain. Prophet's probably up there praying. Leaves the prophet. He says, he says, hey, he said, you got some cornbread? Wait, wait, that's not what I'm supposed to ask. He said, is everything all right with you? Is everything okay with your husband? Is everything all right with your children? What am I saying? God cares about you, your relationships, and your future. He says, he says, is everything okay with you? Is everything all right with your husband? How's that boy doing? She says, shalom. That's what it says in the Hebrew right there. She says, it is well. You know, the Bible says that Abraham was the guy that would call things that are not as though they were. Can you imagine Abraham after he'd heard from God and been told, you're going to have more descendants than there are stars in the sky and Sarah's still not even pregnant. 
Can you imagine the looney tune that, that, that he would be made out to be from all of his peers when he walked out of his tent on a clear night and said, I'm going to have more kids than there are stars in the sky. His friends would say, your wife's 90. I'm going to have more kids than there are stars in this sky. Her son is laying dead on a bed that she built for God's servant. And the only answer she has when asked, how's things going? Everything's fine. you got to call things that are not as though they were and they shall be. You've got to get good at understanding. Sometimes there's not value in sharing your problem with everybody that asks. You've got to get good at recognizing that if somebody cannot assist you in the problem, then they, are, they do not need access to the information. So many times uh, uh, we get to the place where we begin to say, well, I'm going through this, pray for me. And then before you know it, uh, you've gone three or four friends deep. And the fourth friend gets there and says, how are you doing? And the first thing you've got is, well, my knee's acting up, my back's acting up, my neck's acting up, my ears are backing up. And every other problem that you can think of has come up. Because instead of speaking of things that are not as though they were, you start talking about what's taking place negative in your life. Her son's laying dead and she says, Shalom, everything's fine. She carries on because she knew he wasn't the guy she needed to share that type of information with. Verse 27, and when she came to the man of God, when you get in the presence of God, she caught him by the feet. But, but, but Gehazi came near to thrust her away, and the man of God said, Let her alone, for her soul is vexed within her, and the Lord has hid this thing from me and has not told me what it is. Then she said, He said, Did I desire a son of you, my, did I desire a son of my Lord? Did I not say, Don't deceive me? Did I desire a son of my Lord? I didn't ask for this. You gave this to me. You gave me this promise. I raised this promise. I was the one who who birthed this promise and raised it and put him in diapers and got him out of diapers and taught him ABCs and one, two, threes. And then all of a sudden he gets big enough to go work and he dies in my lap. I didn't ask for this. I didn't ask to be moved when my neighbor, uh, when their son all of a sudden begins to start going away from God. I didn't want it to hurt my heart as if it was my own flesh and blood. I didn't ask for this. I didn't look at a whole country and say, I will not die and allow an entire country to be born, live, and die and not hear the name of Jesus. I didn't ask for this. Why is it so hard? Why would you bring this thing to me and then let it die in my lap? I didn't ask for this. You wanted me to go back to school. I can't even pass mathematics. I didn't ask for this. I didn't want to be this thing that you called me to be. I just wanted to be a good person. I'll never forget. 
When God really called me back, I was about 18, 19 years old, and I called my daddy on the phone, and I said, Daddy, I don't know what's going on, but I just want to be a good person. And I stopped cussing the best I could, and I stopped doing a lot of the wrong stuff the best I could. And my whole idea is, I just want to be a good person, and I want to get right with God, but that's it. I don't want anything else. And all of a sudden, the closer I got, the more he started dumping on me, and the more he started dumping on me, the more it hurt, and the more pain I felt, but I couldn't get away from it, and I kept sitting there thinking, I didn't ask for this. And in my deepest and darkest moment, which is the same thing that happens here, the Spirit of God came into my life and would breathe life into the things that appeared to be dead. So I would say to you today, whatever God has put on the inside of you, Whatever God has caused you to believe Him for, whatever God has called you to reach, whatever group of people God's called you to reach, whatever benefit God's caused you to cause in somebody in the kingdom, whatever it is, if it lays dormant, He's the God that gives life. If you did it on your own, you'd get the credit. But if it looks hopeless, only He can get the credit. He says to his servant, Gehazi, take my stick. There's probably enough anointing in my stick. Lay it on the boy and the boy will be okay. And the woman says, as the Lord God lives, I'm not leaving you. There has to be something on the inside of you that says, where the Spirit of God goes, I go. Where the Word of God is preached, I go. Where the Word of God is not preached, I go to preach it. There has to be something on the inside of you that grabs hold to what you know and refuses to let it go. The Bible says that, for the sake of time I'll paraphrase it, the Bible says that uh, uh, Gehazi goes and takes the stick and lays it on the boy, just like uh, Elisha says. And he sits there and he goes back to Elisha and he says, It didn't work. The boy's still dead. Elisha goes into the house. And the baby, the boy's laying there. We don't know how old he is. But he's laying there. And the Bible says that, that Elisha lays on top of the boy. And he put one hand on one hand, one hand on the other hand. Put his mouth on the boy's mouth. Put his eyes on the boy's eyes. And nothing happened. You know, I've heard it said before. That sounds weird. Mouth on mouth, eye on eye. I'm older now. I have children. That doesn't sound weird at all. If I were to picture one of my children lifeless, I would try to take any life that's in me and put it in them. The Bible says your eyes are the windows to your soul. I would be trying. I would be pleading with God. I'd be laying on them. I'd be hugging them. My babies have been sick before. You know they're just coughing junk all into you. (laughs) You're so good. I love you. Just get better. It's not weird at all. Doesn't work. He gets up. He walks around. He's like, I don't know what to do. And he goes and he does it again. All of a sudden. That boy sneezes seven times. Probably the best noise that Shunammite woman ever heard was her boy, her promise, sneezing. For you and for me, 
We have to get to the place that we understand if God gave it to you, guess what? You've got to fight to keep it. Did you know that when the Israelites crossed the Jordan River into the Promised Land, do you know the first thing that happened? They got into a big old fight with a town called Jericho. And here was the deal. They got over there and there was only a couple of people that believed out of the whole group that they could win. And they got over and they see these walls. An impenetrable wall. A wall that no other country, no other group had ever been able to destroy. The Israelites, they had been slaves for 400 years. They spent 40 years in the desert eating bread called manna that, you know, I've never seen. Eating some quail every now and then. They're not trained soldiers. And the first thing that they run into is an impossible situation. A son dead in their lap that they can't do anything about. But here's the deal. In your life and in my life, we have to remember it's not your fight. It's not my fight. The Bible says that the battle belongs to the Lord. And any battle worth fighting is worth winning. I probably won't argue with you about, you know, chocolate or vanilla cake. Just give me some cake. I don't care. But you better be careful. When somebody's ready to really fight you. Because if somebody's ready to fight to win, you got to understand they've decided to go to a different place. And anything in your life that God has blessed you with or God has given you, listen to me, it's got crosshairs on it. There's an enemy. I guarantee you, Heidi could tell me story after story. My brother tells me about the uh, Santa Claria. Yeah, I don't know what he said, but that word over there. It's crazy witchcraft. (laughs) Listen, the devil doesn't like people going and revolutionizing a country for Jesus Christ. He'll try to give you typhoid fever. He'll try to get the communist government to scare you and stop you. But the Holy Ghost will rise up on the inside of you and say, You can't stop me because you didn't start me. But whatever God has given you, listen, maybe you're like the Shunammite. Maybe you didn't ask for it. But you know it's yours. You know it's a promise that maybe at this point it just seems sick. God's the God that heals. Maybe at this point, it's like that boy laying dead in your lap saying, I don't know how life can come back into this. Step one, find the presence of God. It'll change everything. He equips for everything. Interestingly enough, and this is my last point, the miracle took place. Oh, God help us. The miracle took place in the room that was built 
when all was well. You need a place with God in the good times. So that in the hard times, when all you can do is crawl to get in there, you can say, this is where I've met God before. Now listen, I'm not talking about a physical place. I know there's a lot of people with prayer closets. I think that's wonderful. I have places in my personal life where I just go and I I go pray. And I know God's spoken to me there before. I've driven miles and miles and miles before to a place where I know I heard from God here. And I need to hear from Him. And I hope when I get there I hear from Him. But I'm not talking about a geographical location, a physical room. I'm saying in your life, in the good times, when all is well, when you're like the Shunammite and say, eh, I don't need you to talk to the president. I don't need you to talk to the general. All is well. That's when God will say, great. Now you're ready for that next step. All of a sudden, you're pregnant with a dream, pregnant with a hope, pregnant with a purpose. And all of a sudden, you start to give birth to that thing, and you start to raise that thing, and you start to see the joy of it growing, and the benefits, you start to see uh, people begin to talk good about it, and everything's good. And then all of a sudden, one day, you wake up, and it's dead in your lap. It's the greatest opportunity for God to show Himself strong. It's when there's no hope. But the miracle of that boy sneezing seven times. Seven's the number of completion. Seven times. The miracle took place in a room that was built when all was well. Let's get good and in the good times making room for God. And let's get good and in the hard times going back to that place and saying, here's this thing, Lord. I know you didn't build it or deliver it to die here. So I'm giving it back to you in Jesus' name. Give God a hand of praise. I'm done teaching. Stand to your feet if you would. Thank you for listening. For more information on Pastor Brian and New Heights Church, please visit www.newheightschurch.info.